It is Wednesday, June 7th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Game three of the NBA Finals tonight. And the game of golf is all back together. Oh, thank God. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Game three of the NBA Finals tonight. The Texas Rangers announced Jacob DeGrom will have Tommy John surgery. And the Yankees putting Aaron Judge on the IL. What is the Vegas lead? Well, also Liv and the PGA That's are, true. are merging. That's a big Back story. Back in love. Golf. Don't forget the European DP World Tour. Uh, I bet you Rory wishes he took that $400 million now. Uh, the Vegas <laughs> lead is going to be the NBA Finals. Game three is tonight in Miami. It's the first home game for the Heat in these NBA Finals. The series is tied at a game apiece. Denver is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game tonight. And Mackenzie Rivers, our NBA guru, obviously, with us here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. You and I talked about this series after the game two win for Miami and you were singing a different tune. You have come around now where you were at the beginning of the series thinking this is the Nuggets. They could sweep, maybe win in five. Now you are starting to believe that Miami has a shot to win this thing. Yeah, They have a formula that makes sense. When I look at it, as far as this is a two man team in the Nuggets, they have Jamal Murray and they have Nikola Jokic. They've agreed to you, Nikola Jokic. You're going to do what you can do. We're going to trap Jamal Murray. We're going to double him. We're going to make life hell for him. And we don't think the other role players are going to step up. And they've been right through two games. Michael Porter Jr. shooting seven for 24. He's supposed to be their third best player. Hasn't played anything close to a championship level third best player. And Miami, they're playing carefree. They get up shots. I feel like they can make a bunch of threes, three more games, and that's what they need to do. I wouldn't say they're likely to win this series, but I can see the path, and I'm starting to think that's that's the side where the value is. How important do you think... Eric Spolstra is because I I, I think I, I said this during the Celtics series, like th- there's a coaching mismatch here that no one's talking mm-hmm. about. And I think over the course of the series, you saw it come to fruition. I think we have a similar thing here and it's not like a slight to Malone because I mean, Eric Spolstra, he may be a coaching mismatch against anyone not named Greg Popovich. That's currently an NBA coach. So but how important do you think that could be in a series that looks now like it's going to be a back-and-forth sort of adjustment series? I think it could be the difference. I mean, you talk about Popovich. I feel like he would develop a system over the course of the year that would make sense and that would get the most out of his players. This is something different. They were playing like a full-court press zone in the fourth quarter, which they hadn't in the playoffs, they hadn't any time in this regular season that I saw, and that completely flummoxed the Nuggets in the fourth quarter. Who knows what else he has up his, up his sleeve? I've never seen... One coach make this big of a difference. I mean, half their team is undrafted, but it, it feels like they all believe they're going to win. And when you mention the fourth quarters, uh, Miami in this postseason, it's been incredible what they've been able to do. Outscored in the first quarter by one point, in the second quarter by 11 points, in the third quarter by 12 points, but in the fourth quarter, they are plus 90 
through 20 playoff games. That's never happened before in history, I believe. I mean, losing your first three quarters and killing it in your fourth quarter, it seems like no other team could possibly have done that before. Well, wait a minute. funny you should say that, because the Miami Heat did this in 2020, coincidentally, when they went to the NBA Finals. Same best two players, same coach. In the first quarter, outscored by 28 points, second quarter by three, third quarter by 21, but they were a plus 94 in the fourth quarter in the 2020 postseason. There has to, that's not a coincidence. There has to be something to the way that Eric Spolstra coaches this team to play in the fourth quarter because you can also look at the fourth quarter come not fourth quarter comebacks, but the double digit comebacks where game two was their seventh double digit comeback win this postseason. It ties the most double-digit comeback wins in a single postseason over the last 25 years. Four teams have had seven double-digit comeback wins. Three are Eric Spolstra coached Miami Heat wow. teams. There's, there's, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, we talked about this on the Dream Pod. I, like, I thought watching the Celtics Heat series in my mind, I was like, man. The Celtics keep pissing away these fourth quarter leads. Like there's something wrong with the Celtics. It turns out maybe it's not a Celtics thing. I think it's a Miami Heat thing. Like the the Heat are just they take control late in the game. I don't know whether it's conditioning or whether it's they they find a way to make adjustments late. But whatever it is, it's there's it's not a it's not a coincidence. It's not a mistake. And you look now and you think, all right, well, how does this apply to this game tonight? Well, I think betting the Miami Heat in the fourth quarter is certainly the way to go. And and you can get it minus 110 both ways. Or if you want to shop around, I know some books have even Miami plus a half a point. So what's, you, the, what's the lay price on that, Mac? Minus 118. Yeah. Okay. So minus 118, you get plus a half a point. If it's a tie in the fourth quarter, you get the win for Miami. I think that's the way to look at it. And I also think that Miami is a live dog to win this game. And, yes, you can say, oh, well, in the fourth quarter, they're never out of it. So if they are losing, they can certainly come back and win. But I just think in general, from what we saw in game two, the adjustment that was made, and this is a sport of adjustments, right? We're going to see. You know, Denver did what they did in game one. Miami adjusted in game two. Now you would expect Denver to adjust to Miami's adjustments. But you're right, AJ. Coaching means something. And I think Spolstra is going to be one step ahead. Mackenzie, you talked about – the, the game plan going into game two about having to let Jokic be a scorer and not let anybody else hurt you. How do you think Miami either maintains that strategy or adjusts off of it because of what the Nuggets could do for to make their adjustments? I'm not sure what the Nuggets can do. They need somebody else besides Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic to set up, to, to step up, to make... Miami honest because they're blitzing Jamal Murray at half court. Okay, so you get it to Jokic. He's on a three-on-one. The rest of the team's not tethered to them, not feeling connected. And, yeah, that shows up on offense. They didn't have a great offensive game in game one or two. But their defense started slipping. And Malone talked about this after the conference. He's like, if you're not getting shots, that shouldn't affect your effort on defense. Well, they're human, and it does. You've seen them give up multiple wide-open threes. Uh, Some players that feel like maybe they should be getting more shots, but they're not getting those shots the way that Miami Heat's setting up their defense. Okay, so I have – a thought then for a player prop tonight. And it's Michael Porter Jr. over 14 and a half points. I would parlay that to the Nuggets. I feel like if Porter is shows up and he's the same guy who was in the regular season, the talent mismatch 
also shows up in the Nuggets win. Because he has been atrocious from three-point range in this NBA Finals. Two of 11 in game one, one of six in game two. I don't think he stops shooting. You just need him to hit a couple of those shots, and he's going to go over. He's going to have 15 points in this game. And think about it. Five threes to make, he's going to get it. But no, I, I, it, I think... Massive adjustment from game two. It was 15 and a half game one, 16 and a half in game two, 14 and a half is a big, a big move. Yeah, I like yeah, o- I like over on Michael Porter Jr. Not necessarily correlated to the Nuggets winning the game, but I do believe that that's the way the Nuggets are going to have to have success here is if Porter is hitting three-pointers. And I think that he's the type of guy that they're going to try and get going early on. They're going to get him. He's going to certainly have open looks. And if he hits them, that's going to force Miami to then adjust, and it'll open everything up offensively for them for the rest of the team. For the Nuggets, it will. For the Nuggets, yes. Yeah. For Jokic to go over, for for Murray to, to then score. It has to be somebody else besides those two, as you mentioned, and Michael Porter Jr. is the next guy on the list. And I think that's, I mean, that's the benefit that the Heat have had, like, really throughout these playoffs. Is, and Jimmy Butler's been good, especially in the in the Celtics series and this series so far. It's not like he's been a bad player, right. but he hasn't been, like, the nuclear guy that he was yeah. against the Bucks and the Knicks. Like the the heat have changed, and I mean, we talked about this during the uh, during the last series against the Celtics. It was every game like, okay, which one of these role players is going to go off? It, Gabe Vincent or whoever it was going to be. We were finding these these diamond in the rough guys who were putting up big numbers. The Nuggets are they capable of that? Is the question, and they. It's funny. I I guess I mean obviously the their two their two stars are the the key guys, but. They're so good that you almost forget how meh the rest of that roster is, and when you've got a you've got six or seven guys who on any given night could blow up for the Heat, and it feels like if Jokic and Jokic isn't going to be a forty point guy, yep. so if Jamal Murray's off, who who puts the ball in the hole, and it's it's kind of hard to figure it out. I think you hit the nail on the head where the Heat have six guys that can hit and can get hot. You just mentioned they need Michael Porter Jr. to mm-hmm. get hot and to be a force. That's a lot of pressure. I feel like Max Struess can go 0 for 10 one game, and he doesn't care. Shooters shoot. Hits 4 for 7 in the, in the first quarter of game two. I feel like the Heat are just going to throw go out there who's hot, who's working. They're not going to care. Where the Nuggets, they looked really under pressure in the fourth quarter. I felt like they started to feel the weight of this championship run uh, buckling underneath them. When you look at the Heat and the Nuggets – and the correlation to the total in this game, two fourteen is low. Yep. I, I at first I leaned towards the under because that I mean that's where the market went right when it opened at two sixteen and a half, yep. and it's been bet down to to two fourteen. But the more I think about what Miami has done in this postseason, and just looking at the scores, not even just you know just doing the math, but I'm just eyeballing it here. I believe they've gone over. In their wins. Do you have the numbers on how many times they've gone over in their wins versus the the unders? Yes. In the playoffs, nine wins. I mean, 13 wins. Nine overs, only four unders when they win. So if you like Miami to win, I think the over is the correlation. Because that means Miami's hitting their threes. And that means that they're scoring upwards of 110 to 115, 120 points. But you would think it would be the opposite. like Because Miami's pace. Miami wants to control the pace. But I, I think... When Miami's games start to get up there in points, they're hitting 
45, 50% from three, which sounds absurd, but that's what they've done a couple times. That's when their games go over. That's what it feels like to me. And I, and I think what, what we saw in game two is the Nuggets' worst fear that if the Heat make their shots, they're going to win this series. I, I, I firmly believe that. Like If the Heat shoot over 40% from three in this series, they're going to win the series. And the Nuggets have had to change how they're playing defensively. Like you're starting to see everybody sort of trickle out towards that three-point line. It's not comfortable for everybody. But I, I do think it's it's almost like, man, it's up to the Heat. If they're going to win this thing, they're going to make their shots. And I think the overs in Heat wins are the way to look. Yeah, I like the Heat tonight. I like the over tonight. Um I would kind of, like, if we were building our same game parlay like we did with RJ last week, I would go Jokic over for his points because I think it's – Because you it, like the Heat. Because I like the go. Heat to win. And I like the Heat to win the fourth quarter. I think that's probably my best bet. Is the, the, just it, It's it's interesting because the narrative is out there. Everyone seems to be talking about the Heat in the fourth quarter, but yet the market has not changed. Like, the Heat are not a, a big favorite in the fourth quarter tonight. So I like the Heat to win the fourth quarter. I like the Heat to win the game, but I'll gladly take the two and a half points, and I'll go with the over. Is there a player jumping out to you tonight that you uh, you think there's some value on, Mac? Jokic's prop has been adjusted a little bit too much for my blood at 29 and a half. I'll give you guys a bet, though. I like the first quarter under. Michael Ballone had probably the most scathing press conference I've ever heard a coach give about the defensive effort for the Nuggets. Now let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine, you know, and you guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting lineup to start the game is 10 to 2 Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. Um, and we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves for not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. Um, this is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals, and that to me is really, really perplexing, disappointing. And I asked the team, I asked our player, you guys tell me why we lost, and they knew the answer. Miami came in here and outworked us, and we were by far our least disciplined game of these sixteen or seventeen playoff games, whatever it is now. So many breakdowns, and they exploited every one of those breakdowns and scored. So. Um, if we're going to try to go down there and regain control of this series and get home court advantage back, we're going to have to outwork Miami, which we didn't do tonight, and our discipline is going to have to be off the charts. Maybe they can't maintain that through the 48 minutes, but I feel like the first 12 minutes they're going to be nervous because of what the coach just told them, and they're going to be super intense on defense. So I like the first quarter, under 55 and a half is a bet for you. Okay. Yeah, I, the first quarter I think is it's probably going to sound cliche, but – I think the first quarter could decide this game because if the Nuggets don't come out with that intensity, I think that the atmosphere yeah. could really propel the heat to a hot start. So what, whichever one of those two things wins out, I think that's who's going to win the game. If the Nuggets can hold the heat down early, I think they're probably going to win the game because they're the better team. Over the course of the game, they're likely to win. If the heat jump out to a lead – and the crowd's on their side, and the Nuggets start to believe that maybe they're phony. Yeah. 
I, which I could I could see that happening. Like the fact that Mike Malone's saying, I can't believe this is what you guys give me in an NBA Finals. Like maybe they're looking at it and go, maybe we don't belong. Maybe we're imposters Were we here. tested? God damn, were we? Yeah. I, I mean, you, <laughs> the you played. The were hurt. The other teams were playing teams. Yeah. So I, I think that first quarter could really dictate, you know, how this, how this whole game looks. Yeah, I'm going to give a best bet on a player prop. For tonight's game, I'm going to go Bam points, rebounds, assists over 32 and a half, and against Boston, 29 points, rebounds, assists per game. That was his average, just below that, in fact. But he's found some real success against Denver. It helps not having uh, Robert Williams on the court following you around, certainly. But Miami's shooters, and particularly if we think Miami's going to keep shooting threes, which again, I think that's their recipe to win. Everything's going outside which means Bam is getting easy buckets inside and getting a lot of rebounds, a lot of second-chance opportunities. His averages are at 39 points, rebounds, assists through two games, so 10 more than he had in the Boston series. Number set at 32-and-a-half. I I don't think the adjustment's been made quite enough because Boston was a bad matchup for him. This Denver defense, it, it gives him a lot of opportunities, I think. So I like Bam Adebayo. Points, rebounds, assists over 32.5 tonight. I like it. Cosign, I mean, 32.5 is his regular season average. It's a playoff game. Second most important player, if not the most important player for the Heat in the series. Expect more minutes. Expect him to go. Played 40 minutes per game in game one and two at elevation. Right. Uh, I expect a, a a solid workload for my boy tonight. Nuggets two and a half point favorites. Total two fourteen. The NBA Finals even at a game apiece. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin. You know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it. And it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. 
And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Great news in the world of golf. <laughs> the awful, terrible, ugly battle that's been ensuing for over a year. Ghastly lot. Has now ended. And the world's greatest game has come together. The PGA Tour, the Live Golf League, and the DP World Tour. Which DP's on tour. I know, right? <laughs> sounds terrible, but it's not that bad. Uh, They've announced that they are coming together as one entity, a merger, and there will no longer be drama. And they've done it! Yes! Yes! The Live Tour has merged with the PGA Tour and, yeah, DP World Tour. Um, (laughs) DP. Apparently, a lot of players didn't even know, like, this happened when the announcement was made. But, dude, can you... Picture a guy looking worse in this entire thing. Like, there's a lot of this was ugly. Like, let's just call it what it is. This was an ugly thing. But Jay Monahan, who's the PGA Tour commissioner, preached loyalty to his tour. uh, Basically, said that it's a slap in the face to 9/11 survivors that these guys are going to play for a Saudi-backed company. All these things that he said, and then PGA guys are finding out on Twitter that yeah. there's a merger. It's like, could you could you come out looking shittier than Jay Monahan did? I don't think so. I, I think he looks like a, a giant dope. But I think this is a good thing for golf. I think that the structure needed to change. And it, like Liv kind of forced their hands. I don't think I don't know if Liv forced their hands or not. I don't know like if and, and I guess we don't know all the financial details of all of this. But a lot of PGA Tour members were so confused by this, and they're like saying sending anonymous quotes to people, especially like in in the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one that's uh, a PGA Tour member reached by ESPN said, quote, it's insanity. The live tour was dead in the water. It wasn't working. Now you're throwing them a life jacket? Is the moral of the story to just always take the money? End quote. And and that's maybe what it is. Maybe live just is throwing money at the PGA Tour. Well, that, that was their goal to begin with, yeah. was to be invested in golf. And now they're invested in golf. But the reality is, was it was it losing money? Yes. Guess what? The Saudis, they weren't going to run out of money. Like it would, they were going to keep throwing money at this. Here's where they were winning, though. PGA golfers kept leaving. Yeah, when it was one or two, it was like, oh, this this thing's not a big deal. Uh, more more key guys were leaving than mm-hmm. staying, and it's like at some point, if you say, okay, PGA Tour, they were riding this hard line. You leave us, you go to live. You're you're not welcome back. That's that. So you got to make this decision. So they make that decision, and now let's say Liv folds in a year. Those golfers are just gone from the face of the earth now, mm-hmm. and you're gonna like you're gonna fill out your tournaments with 
40 golfers who are of lesser quality than these live golfers? Like, no, I think if live folded, the PGA Tour would be like, hey, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, like, yeah, you can come back and I, play. I mean, I guess they could. They could change their mind just like they did on working with Saudi Arabian backed, mm-hmm. uh, right. backed money. So there's a lot of mind changing that's been going on. If Here's what I would say. If I'm Rory McIlroy, I'm pissed. Well, yeah, because you could have had $400 million and then ate your cake, too. And so is there – if I'm Rory, I'm like, hey, I want, I want some kind of compensation because I was loyal to this, what you sold me on, and it was bullshit. Well, does this mean now, like, will golf tournaments and, and all these PGA Tour players, are they just going to be – happier because more money is going to get thrown at them now? Like, more money is going to be into all these tournaments now because of the, the live backers? I'm sure I, I'm sure particularly. But I don't think they're going to sign contracts like Dustin Johnson. Guaranteed and, money and, and stuff. And no, Kepke that's not going to happen. I, I'm sure the lower-tier golfers are super pumped about this because now the, the, the overall prize pool is going to be bigger. There's more money to go around. I, I think the guys like Rory – and I, I – I know the money – I saw the reported money offered to Tiger was like $800 million, yeah. which is just an obscene amount of money. I don't know if, if Tiger – like, if he was 100% healthy, like what his decision-making would have been like. If this was Tiger 10 years ago, what that decision would have been. But, it, I mean, the guys like that who got offered massive amounts of money and didn't take it out of some sense of loyalty to the PGA Tour – those are the guys who I feel like aren't thrilled about this. Everybody else involved is thrilled because now the live guys get to play in the U.S. Open every year and all, that's, all that worry goes away. And all the guys at the bottom of the barrel, are their scraps become a little bit bigger. But these guys, these top-tier guys that stayed, those are the guys who I think have the most beef. And like Colin Morikawa waking up, tweeting this morning, I love finding out morning news on Twitter, and everyone thought yesterday was the longest day in golf. Like, those are the guys that I, I like, the guys who apparently didn't know this. It's, it's all just very odd to me. Could you imagine being Rory McIlroy, best golfer, one of the best golfers in the world? And for the rest of your life, you're going to be like, what could have happened? I have $150 million. I could have had five times that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't, you're, you're never going to be able to get that. Like, the, Meanwhile, Phil Mickelson's right. like celebrating, you know. <laughs> well, Phil Mickelson, he, his tweet was, awesome day today. Happy face emoji. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, yeah, Phil. <laughs> I mean, you got you got all the dough, and now you're just back like it never happened. Uh, so this is a, this is wild. And this, I, I'll be honest, if I'm, if I'm a, a, a PGA guy, I'm I'm looking to, to to have some kind of a coup to get this Jay Monahan out. It, it really feels like he botched this big time. Yeah, probably going to happen. Uh, there's no way he should survive this. Go. No <laughs> way. Well, uh, I guess when's the next major? Is uh, July the Open Championship, right? Yep. In Dubai now. <laughs> the Dubai Open. No, that's in Royal Liverpool, <laughs> uh, July 20th, and I guess we'll find out if uh, some of these live golfers. Will be uh, allowed to play. They got to be able to, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I would assume so. Major League Baseball and uh, a story that 
it's not a surprise to yeah. I, this is a, a shocking of, development. Yeah, I never, I never expected this. Jacob Degrom not going to pitch for the remainder of this year for the Texas Rangers. What? Yep, he's going to have uh, surgery to repair a torn UCL. Uh, Degrom six starts this year after signing a big contract in free agency, and it's not a surprise, right? Five years, $185 million. He has not had more than 15 starts in a season since 2019. He can never stay healthy. This is going to be another lost year for him in what is or what could have been or maybe could still be a Hall of Fame career. It's just a shame. Boy, Hall of Fame would be... Uh, I think it'd be a pretty big upset at this point. Like, you think so? I think so. I mean, I, I mean the guys are up there with anybody. It and is a multiple Cy Young winner. Yeah, but man, at some point, like, unless you're Sandy Koufax, yeah, and you better be Sandy Koufax you if you want to be in that conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like, still, like you win back to back Cy Young awards, and that stretch from 2018 to, you know, I guess, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess like the late 2017 to 2018, even into the COVID year, I guess. He was you know, the best pitcher on the planet. You know who had a two-year run like that? Tim Lincecum. Is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? No. Like, like time, freak. Timmy Jim. Yeah, like, listen, there's just, it's. By the way, Sandy Koufax, career 165 wins in 12 years. Almost twice as much as DeGrom. Yeah. Even though he had a short, injury-plagued short career as well. I, I, 10 I, years, DeGrom, 84 and 57. This he's incredible when he's out there. He's just not out there. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, it, it, we've seen guys. But Tim Lincecum had back-to-back Cy Young seasons, and I, I don't think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, the the other guys who have done that in recent history, or let's say since 2000, Randy Johnson, Hall of Famer, obviously Clayton Kershaw, uh, Max Scherzer. Those guys have a pretty good case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those guys all have rings also. Yeah. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. And hell, Tim Lincecum's got rings. I don't know if Jacob deGrom, I, I don't know what his argument is. Like, again, the the number of starts is just disappointing. Like, he, when he's out there, he's awesome. But, man, this is a, a real – and I think fans at some point will start to sour on you when you get a big contract. and $85 million, five years. Yeah, and, and you're you're going to pitch, what, three of them? Like maybe maybe you get yeah. What's the prospect? I mean, it's gonna be twelve months. People are saying yeah, that's the middle of the year, middle of next year. I mean, think about look. He he, he made thirty two starts in twenty eighteen, won the Cy Young Award. Made thirty two starts in twenty nineteen, won the Cy Young Award. Following year, made only twelve starts. Then he made fifteen starts. Then he made eleven starts. This year, he makes six starts. That's <laughs> that is just year after year of losing time due to injury, and that season in twenty twenty one. Uh, who knows what could have happened if he makes more starts? He had a 1.08 ERA that year. Yeah, he was seven and two, and you know season gets cut short. It's he he uh, when he's healthy, he's the best pitcher in the planet on the planet. And but the problem is he's oh, never wait. healthy. He had 21 wins in his two Cy Young seasons combined. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like not that wins. Like I think and we you know, know in those years the Mets had a losing record in his starts. That's wild because they blew every uh, they blew every game in the bullpen. And I think we know now wins and losses aren't necessarily like a, no. a, a reasonable pitching stat, but it, it was is ten and nine with a one point seven ERA in twenty eighteen. Yeah, it, it, he made thirty two starts. He had a one point <laughs> seven ERA and he was ten and nine. 
You want to talk about lack of run support. I mean, he's had an incredible career. I don't. I hope to see him on the mound again next year. But if you talk about now the future prospect for the Texas Rangers, this is a team that has the best offense in Major League Baseball. They are in first place in the American League West. They have the highest run differential in the entire league at plus 155. And the market, right, McKenzie, did not change on them to win the division or win the World Series with this news. Correct. 16 to 1 before the news, 16 to 1 currently, plus 155 to win the AL West. But what does change is the likelihood that it actually happens. Right. Because I think people betting in on the Texas Rangers, they were betting with the stats that I just gave you, the run differential, the record, everything that we've seen about this team and their offense. Nasty Nate. Yes, uh, uh, Nathan Yavaldi having a great year, Martin Perez as well, but also the optimism that when Jacob deGrom comes back, they have the best pitcher in the world on their team in the postseason. It's a good point, and the sports books don't really care if 16-1 to isn't a good number because people are still going to bet it. If you bet the no and that didn't change, that would be more interesting. Yeah, and I think that now there is – no more optimism of obviously because Degrom is not coming back. That they're going to have this elite ace in the postseason, and I want to make a prediction right now. Okay, you can write it down, or just listen to it because it's recorded on this podcast. <laughs> the Texas Rangers will finish the regular season with the best offense in Major League Baseball, and they will lose in the first round of the playoffs. Why do you think this? Because they won't have the pitching in the postseason. Yeah. As good as Dane Dunning and Martin Perez and Nathan Yavaldi have been. It's you, not real. You need that. You need the guy that puts fear into the opposition. And typically you and need Jacob DeGrom's that guy. No one else on the Texas Rangers rotation is. Yeah. And when you think about the idea that uh, it looks like right now the best team in the American League is the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. And game one and two, you're probably going to see Shane McClanahan and Tyler Glasnow. Yep. You're going to match up Martin Perez and Dane Dunning. Yeah, or Nathan Nivaldi yeah. and Martin Perez. Yep. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, those are those are tough odds to overcome. So I agree with you on that. And uh, listen, the Rangers keep winning games, mm-hmm. but it, it, I, I'm just I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how realistic it is that it continues. Uh, I I kind of disagree with you. I think their off their offense has overperformed so far. I think it, okay. it will cool off as the season goes. It's still going to be great mm-hmm. going into the if they uh, and we're assuming they're making the playoffs. It's been a hot oh, start. Make, yeah, they're making the playoffs. But yeah, it's uh, I I still think when I when I went against Fez on the Rangers to win the AL West. I still st- Astros are four and a half games behind them. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd still take the Astros to win the AL West at this okay. point. Okay, and now so, and now I'm going to line you up here with a okay wild card series. Let's call it because you know we have now the the two wild card series in each league, right? With the the extra playoff team. So let's say Tampa and the Astros are your top two seeds in the American League. They got the buys into the uh, divisional series. Okay, your wild card series. We'll give you the central winner twins against the uh let's let's go twins against the Orioles. Okay. And then Yankees against the Rangers. Game one, Garrett Cole, Nathan Yavaldi. 
Who's favored? <laughs> Garrett Cole's favored. Okay. Game two, Martin Perez, Nestor Cortez, or Luis Severino. Or whatever. Yeah, who knows? It might be or, Clark Schmidt, depending on how the IL looks for the Yankees that given day. Or let's also be honest, it could be a big-name pitcher that the Yankees acquire at the trade sure. deadline. We don't know. But, yeah, I don't like the Rangers pitching matchups in the postseason if in a wild-card series— Nathan Yavaldi starting the game one of the wild card series against whether it's Garrett Cole, Pablo Lopez, uh, even Fram, heck, Framber Valdez. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I just don't, I mean, maybe against the Orioles, I guess you can trust them against like, I don't know, Kyle Gibson or Dean Kramer. Yeah. But, <laughs> but again, like, I, I think if, if you're, if you're the Rangers and you, you spent this, like you spent the money on DeGrom and Corey Seager this off season, Go you out there and trade for a pitcher. You didn't do that so you could beat the Orioles in a wild card mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. lose in the next round. Yeah. Like you're you are going for it. Yep. So yeah, I, I I do think unless they make a big splash and you know, you mentioned the Yankees, they're gonna be in the market for it too. So there's gonna be competition. Uh, but it looks like some of these teams are gonna have to go out and get some some real help w- with their pitching. And I, I don't know what exactly is gonna be available. Uh, but it, it, it's going to be an arms race for sure. You know, why hasn't Madison Bumgarner signed with the Rangers? I don't know. I don't know. He hasn't signed with anybody. Has he hasn't he? signed with anybody. I mean, obviously, I mean the guy stinks yeah. this year. But like, don't you think like goes plays for his former manager and Bruce Bochy throws a couple of good like postseason innings? Can't you see that happening like late in the year? Like all of a sudden, it's like Mad Bum is on the Rangers. Yeah. And maybe he's pedestrian during the regular season, but in the postseason comes out of the bullpen, gives him like, you know, six good innings in a playoff series. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. I think so, right? It matters. What do you mean you Three. think so? Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's made the All-Star team four times. I think DeGrom has made it four times. And we're saying DeGrom can't make it because he's not enough sample size. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner. He's got multiple championships. And, and I care about and, that. He, and he's one of the greatest postseason pitchers in the history of the game. He probably had the greatest postseason of any pitcher ever. Yeah. I mean, when he won World Series. It's just interesting to me the dichotomy because DeGrom's probably a better pitcher. Bumgarner has had by far the better career. Yeah, and when he won World Series MVP, was it? I think it was the series against the Royals where he pitched – Three games, right? He came in in game seven. You know, it's just, yeah. One of the great postseason runs. uh, uh, Yes, Madison Bumgarner is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Let's take a look at the schedule for today. We have some early day games. Well, one early day game, which is a system play, AJ. Didn't work out for us one time. But it worked out, like, the second time, I guess? Yeah. So, the A's won last night against the Pirates. I know. They are 2-10 this year. After a win, they will send Hogan Harris, not Hogan's heroes. That's a made-up pitcher. You just Hogan said. Harris will be the starter for them. Uh, Rosny Contreras will go for the Pirates. Pittsburgh's minus one seventy-eight. I, I got to back the Pirates here. I do too. I backed them yesterday. It didn't work. And they had the great pitching matchup yesterday, and it didn't work. Yeah. Mitch Keller against James Caprillion. Congratulations, James Caprillion picked up his first win of the year. Wow. A scored 11 runs. I knew I was dead when Shane Langoliers homered in like the second inning. I was like, oh, here we go. So what are they going to do? Are they going to pull that off again? Or do they use up all their runs for the month? I doubt it. Uh, this team is so bad. Uh, they're 2-10 and 10 after a win. Eight of those 10 losses have been by two or more runs. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to do a little plus money grab here. I'm going to go plus 110 Pirates minus a run and a half. Okay. 
I think they uh I, I think the A's this is like a nine thirty body clock game for them as well. You know, that's too early. I, I I can't go against the system, certainly. All right, Mariners take on the Padres. George Kirby goes for Seattle. Michael Waka for the Padres. Good pitching matchup. San Diego minus one twenty, total of eight. This is a one o'clock Pacific time start in San Diego. Sun's going to be shining, probably. Maybe you got a marine layer coming in. I kind of like the under. I I love the under. Little shadows of the ballpark because the way the sun's just shining in. Yeah, I I think we go under here in San Diego and Seattle. Tigers at the Phillies. We have Zach Wheeler on the hill for the Phillies. Reese Olsen goes for Detroit, Philadelphia, minus 250. Rain in the forecast, so we'll see what happens with that game. Also, you see what's happening, like, uh, with all the the in, in New York. You saw the Yankee game yesterday. All the um, the smoke from the Canadian fires yeah. has, like, made its way down, and it was just a very hazy, smoky sky in the uh, New York area. But it smells of maple, so there's that. <laughs> I bet it does probably smell like maple. Who knows? Uh, the Royals are at the Marlins. Jordan Lyles goes for the Royals. Edward Cabrera for the Marlins. Miami minus 178. Miami's just rolling off wins here. They've won five straight games. And Jordan Lyles, absolutely atrocious. And uh, Arise at now 401, right? Luis Arise now batting 401. Yes, congratulations. Uh, 401 batting average. Pablo Lopez, speaking of Luis Arise, that's who he was traded for. Pablo Lopez gets the start for the Twins in Tampa against the Rays and making his, uh, well, no, not a season debut, but his second appearance of the season is going to be Sean Armstrong. He only went two innings against the Red Sox, but they were two hitless innings. So that's got to be a good sign, right? We'll see uh, how far he goes into this game. He'll be the opener, probably only go two innings or just one time through the lineup. Diamondbacks at the Nationals, Zach Davies for Arizona, Patrick Corbin for D.C. Arizona is minus 135. White Sox at the Yankees, Lance Lynn goes for the White Sox, and the Yankees will send Randy Vasquez to the mound. Uh, Randy Vasquez in his first start this year. Four and two-thirds innings, four hits, just two runs against the San Diego Padres. We were talking earlier about uh, an arms race and the Rangers and the Yankees fighting over arms. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the White Sox, team that's looking bad right now. Yeah. Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito. Don't be surprised if those names start getting kicked around. Yeah. That might be a guy who's starting for, could start for the Rangers or the mm-hmm. Yankees. Uh, in a postseason game. Lance Lynn was on the Yankees yep. uh, at one point. Uh, Yankees minus 135, total of nine, and we'll see if the smoke is still in the air. What do we make of Aaron Judge on the IL now? I guess Cortez hits the IL, Judge hits the IL. Uh, what does this do for his MVP chances? What's it do for the Yankees in the short term? Uh, it hurts the Yankees, but I think they're in a – obviously it hurts the Yankees, but I think the Yankees are in a better spot – because John Carlos Stanton and Josh Donaldson are back in for the lineup now. for now, uh, but yes, <laughs> but you look at you know last night against the White Sox, Judge not in the lineup, and they they don't score right. They score two runs. Oh, but, I know on Clark Schmidt Day. On Clark Schmidt Day, but one of the runs did come on a Josh Donaldson home run. So he is continuing to perform. Uh, if Stanton and Donaldson can can hit, I think they can last you know a little a couple of days 
until or a couple of games until Aaron Judge comes back. Hopefully it's not anything serious. They said it's just a little swelling. The ligaments sprained in his big toe. Suffered it when he crashed into the wall there in uh, L.A. So Judge is now plus 750 to win AL MVP. He's still the second favorite because Shohei Otani is minus 160. Mm. Almost a prohibitive favorite now for the pitcher batter. Yeah. Otani's having a great year. So is Aaron Judge. Astros at the Blue Jays. Chris Bassett goes for Toronto. They're minus 160. Ronald Blanco will get the start for the uh, Astros. His last start against the Angels. Five and a third, seven hits, but only two runs allowed for Blanco. Uh, The Blue Jays, they um, bounced back after the schlacking the night before. They won 5-1 last night behind Kevin Gosman. So Blue Jays looking to take the series here. Against the Astros. Red Sox at the Cardinals. Cleveland's minus 130 with uh, Tanner Beebe on the hill. Cutter Crawford goes for Boston. Dodgers at the Reds. LA's minus 165 with Noah Syndergaard on the hill against Brandon Williamson. We have an over ballpark. We have an over pitcher. We have an over offense. But we got a total of 11. I guess like everyone, Hard to play. yeah, everyone knows what's up there. Mets at the Braves. Max Scherzer against Charlie Morton. Great pitching matchup here. Atlanta's minus one twenty. Total is nine. That seems high, doesn't it? It seems high, but in Scherzer, Scherzer's had like four good starts in a row ever since he, that one start when he came back from the uh, the suspension. Charlie Morton, meanwhile, um, you know he's just Charlie Morton. Three runs here, two good runs sports. here. You know, had one bad outing where they gave up six, but he's he's still a solid pitcher. These are two very good offenses. Pete Alonzo continues to homer. Maybe a first five under, but I don't like a full game under because okay. these offenses are too good. Uh, Orioles at the Brewers. Dean Kramer goes for the Orioles. Corbin Burns for the Brewers. Milwaukee minus 145, total of eight. Cardinals at the Rangers. The Cardinals are so broken right now. Uh, John Gray goes for the Rangers. Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals. Texas is minus 145. Cardinals have lost 8 of 10. Giants are at the Rockies. San Francisco is minus 210 on the road with Logan Webb on the hill. Connor Seabold goes for Colorado. Total is 11. And Jamison Tyone gets the start for the Cubbies in L.A. against the Angels. And uh, what is it? Uh, Jaime Barria. Gets the start for the Angels. They are minus 135 with a total of nine. Make sure you head to pregame.com to take advantage of a variety of really good discounts that we have going on for our pregame.com members. If you're not a member, just sign up because it's free. And when you do sign up, you get a free $25 just for signing up. And you can spend that on anything you'd like at pregame.com. But we're also giving out something else for free. And that is... A free Canadian football bet. Whoa. Yes, exactly. The CFL begins this week. Me, personally, I'm like a, you know, Blue Bomber fan. Winnipeg all the way. Oh. Yeah, as opposed to, like, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I'm a Tiger Cats You're guy. a Tiger Cat Ooh, guy. Yeah. Tigers. Wow. I call him the Tie Cats. <laughs> you know, Mackenzie's a rough rider. I am a rough rider. Yeah. You know, Sask- Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Sask- yeah. Yeah, that's what he likes. Um, <laughs> you know... I remember there used to be two rough that's riders. Where, that's where Regina is, by the way. Th- yeah, in Saskatoon? Well, Saskatchewan. There used to be... You know two- what else is in Saskatchewan? What's that? The Mackenzie River. The Mackenzie River is? There you go. There yeah. used to be two rough riders, and then Ottawa changed their name to the Red Blacks. Mm-hmm. 
I believe, racist. I believe it was the. I believe they were the Rough Riders as we well. Hate Native Americans and yeah. we hate African Americans. Let's call ourselves the Red Blacks. <laughs> so, if you are a fan of the CFL or you just want to get a winning pick from one of our Canadian football handicappers, because we have a lot of guys on pregame.com that are giving out CFL picks. Fezzik, Goodfella, uh, Stephen Norver, J.R. O'Donnell, Spartan. They're all doing CFL plays. And we're going to give you a free Canadian Football League best bet. Listeners of this podcast can get a free CFL bet using the promo code CFL25. CFL25 is going to get you one free CFL best bet. Take advantage of it. CFL games start this week. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.